Welcome to Tabletop, episode four. Three, three part two. Three part two. Technically four. Technically four. Episode number. Um, pod four, part two. My name is Mitchell Tierney. I am an author, comic book collector, and vintage toy collector. Uh, my name's Jason Kotze-Yang, and I am a game designer, graphic designer, and that's enough for this week. That is enough for this week. You also build Lego. Uh, you collect yeah. Lego? I don't really anymore. I, I used to do when we're doing D&D stuff, as we went into in the first episode. Mostly that's just, I have a small chest of it now. You know what is new, though? What is new? You have a lipstick kiss mark on your cheek. I, I do from my wife. <laughs> I'm not sure why we're talking about that. <laughs> Did you see my new toys behind you that I got? Up the top, you'll see two new Ninja Turtle toys. Mm-hmm. I got them off eBay. They're supposed to be prototypes of the new toys that are coming out soon. Sounds made up. Yeah, it does sound made up. But um, yeah, I don't know. They were like $9 each, delivered for free from Japan. Seems legit. I'm going for rare prototypes. Seems totally legit. <laughs> okay, so so part one, we we did Kaiju. Mm-hmm. We talked about uh, Godzilla, and we played Rampage. What else did we play? It was Rampage and... The other King one. King of Tokyo. King of Tokyo. King of Tokyo. And this was part two. and This is the answer to Kaiju. The, the solution. The solution. Mm-hmm. Which is? Mechs. Mech. Big robots. I love Well, mech. people in big robots in particular. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I'd like to get in a big robot, drive it around. That's what she said. Yep. I would crush buildings. Mm-hmm. But I'd leave San Francisco and Japan alone. Yeah. They've, they've, they've had enough. They've had enough. It's time to rebuild. Um... So, what have you been up to lately? We've both been on holiday, because it's a bit of a gap between three and four. Yeah, I went to Japan and Taiwan. Japan. Yeah, did some holiday stuff, um, tried to avoid being crushed by giant robots and giant lizards. Yep. A little bit of a problem over there. Um, uh, I think they're roaming the streets like other people think kangaroos are rolling, roaming the streets here. Is that true? Well, not, they're not really roaming the streets. They work um, behind in, in cafes? Well, some, but some. some are, you know, roaming, I guess through the streets, creating new streets as they go. That's good. I like it. Um, so, went to Japan. There is board game stuff happening in Japan, which yeah. we might go into in a maybe a little mini-pod later. Yep. Um, there's also board game stuff happening in Taiwan. Yeah. Similar to Jap- Japanese stuff. New yeah. ones or just like the scene? The, 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 the scene and there's designers and stuff yep. happening as well, which I was a little bit surprised mm. that it's got like a big burgeoning board game scene. That's cool. And did that. I also went down to the Toy and Game Expo once I came back. Yeah. Which is a, a little convention, kind of half toy, half game. In Sydney? In Sydney. Sydney, yep. And there was some interesting stuff happening in the Australian design scene there. Mm. I went down, I demoed my game, and mm-hmm. I also did like a, a prototype playtest stuff. Yeah, how'd that go? Good, good. Good, yeah. yeah. Good feedback? Yeah, I got some good feedback. Um, my game that I was demoing is pretty much done now. I'm just finishing off kind of a few things. It'll mm. be launched pretty soon. Kickstarter? Yeah, we'll do, be doing a small Kickstarter for it. Yep. I don't have links or anything yet because it's not quite up there. But if you pay attention to the various media sources around Endgame Games, What's Facebook's news? Twitter, yep. you can sign up for our newsletter. You'll know what's happening. Newsletter. Yeah. Just go to endgamegames.com. The website is also new and shiny and less black. Less black. Yeah. It, it, it's a, a little bit of a redesign. Oh, cool. And did you, did you do that when you got back? Yeah, I've been working on it for a while, you're, quite a time. You're motivated, you're inspired, you got back. <laughs> I uploaded I things to, to the internet, yeah. Yep, stay on the internet. 
That's cool, yeah. So we'll definitely put up a link to the uh, Kickstarter when it's up and running. And hopefully there should be a, a few other things mm. based from what I saw down at Toy and Game Expo. A few other Australian games coming up on Kickstarter soon as well. Yeah, that's cool. Did you, was there, a, you said, a role-playing one? There is a role-playing one right at the moment that's called Fragged Empire. It's a space-set kind of RPG. Mm. It's set after a, kind of a, a big civil war, a big galactic war, rather, and there's a variety of races which you get to role-play, and it's about kind of trying to do your kind of own little adventure thing, but you can also have, like, big galactic kind of space opera stuff. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, what I, sounds good. Check it out, Fragged Empire. What I would kind of uh, warn you about is it is it is quite complicated. Oh, yep. So it is, the designer has said it's around the same complication level of three and a half, as in oh. Pathfinder. Um, oh, okay. Based on what I know about designers, mm. including myself, I would probably add another level of complication on that. And if you're me, another two. Yeah. You you always think something simpler. Yep. Simpler than it is. And then you start having a look at it. So I had a look at, um, they had a video of like what you have to do to like buy an enhancement for your weapon. Mm. Like you want to go to the market and buy like a rifle scope or something. Yep. And it took about three minutes to explain that and all the dice you have to roll. Really? <laughs> so if you look, if you like kind of complicated systems, yep. it could, could be something for you i think that i think it's a payoff once you know how to do it and you get in there you do it you're like okay this is good you know spend the time is it so what would you say netrunner would be on the scale is that a 3.5 as well oh well so when i said 3.5 i was talking about pathfinder pathfinder which people also call D &D 3.5 oh okay because it's between D &D 3 edition third edition and fourth edition fourth edition yeah so I would say Pathfinder in the, in the scale of RPGs mm. is probably around a seven to eight. Okay. Maybe a seven and a half. Mm. Um, for me, Netrunner, yeah, it's probably a seven. Yeah. But Ooh, I had to see a ten. I've seen tens. What? What's a ten? Would I know? Um, Have I ticket the ride? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Battlestar Galactica Ooh, is, really? is probably about an eight and a half. Um... Arkham, Arkham House or Arkham? Uh, Arkham's probably around eight. That looks hard. That um, looks complicated. Um, let, let's not get into complicated board no, games. No, let's not do that. We really played one today. Arbitrary systems. So we're here to talk about Max. We are here to talk about Max. So where do Max come from? Well, um, when a mummy mech and a daddy mech love each other very much, they go to the robot factory. They go to the robot factory in Japan. Yeah. Um. So what I thought we'd kind of get in today mm. is a little bit of the, the history of mechs, especially in regards to tabletop. Yep. So we'll start at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Mechs are big robots. Yes. But they're big robots with little people inside them. Yep. So they're piloted by someone, mm -hmm. or in some cases, two people. Some in cases. some cases, more. Yeah. You can have the whole family. The whole family can be involved. You, you, you can uh, take the leg, I'll take the arm. You can do it that way. So, Transformers? Yes. Not mechs? Not mechs, because there's no one inside them mm -hmm. to control them. Mm -hmm. So, they're not classed as a mech, they're just classed as a robot. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, guns, they're mechanical. You pick them up and you shoot, yep. but they're not mechs because you're not inside them. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But what is a mech? A, a car might be a mech. A car? A yeah. car? Because you're inside it, you're driving it. That's, that's true. But it doesn't really have like a mechanized form. Or if you're in a tank. Mm -hmm. uh, 
some people call AT-ATs from Star Wars. Yes. They're kind of mechs and a lot more than a tank is because they've got legs and stuff. Yep. And people are inside them. They're kind of... They're not humanoid. They're more animal because they're quadruped. You've got people controlling all sorts. I would say they're, they're mechs. Mm-hmm. But in the sense of... If you, if you were to ask me what's a mech, as soon as I think of mech, I think of a giant robot with a person inside it. So the more research I did on mechs, the more... The more mechs I found, the more I was surprised what is classified as a mech. Mm. So anything sort of mechanical, humanoid, not really. Well, you can have kind of semi-humanoid things. I think we're probably going to stick to humanoid. Yeah. But what's interesting with mechs, as opposed to kind of kaiju and board games, whereas there's very much a one-way relationship, you mm. have kaiju and popular culture, and then you have board games kind of based on those popular culture. Mechs has been somewhat part of tabletop culture for quite a while. Yep. Um. So the idea of mechs, we can kind of start with early science fiction mm. and you can kind of pick out maybe some proto-mechs from just like written novels, like maybe in War of the Worlds, there's those big giant robots mm-hmm. that are being driven by aliens, but we won't really get into that. No. We'll start where it really matters. Yep. Again, the same place, Japan. Yes. We're talking more like robotech. Yeah. So robo-mech. The, 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 the kind of very beginning mm. is with with manga, yep. and I think the first one is... All the cool stuff starts with manga. Yeah, so again with comics, like it's the thing where you, if you've got an idea, you can write it and draw it a lot easier than you can make a movie of it. Yeah. So the first one is Tetsujin 28-Go, maybe, mm. that's how you say it, which is Iron Man number 28, and that's about a boy controlling a giant robot that's built by his dead dad. Um, so it's one of the very first ones, and it's, uh, I think, a little bit emotional. Iron Man as in... Yeah. The, the Iron Man? Not the Iron Man, but he's. it does translate to Iron Man. Oh, okay. But where things really kicked into gear, where they get started, is with the first Gundam series mm. in 79. So there are examples of other mech anime before that, yep. but Gun- Gundam really kind of burst into the scene and what it did, it broke mech into two subgenres. Okay. So there's the first one, which is Super Robots. Yep. They tended to involve like semi-magical stuff mm-hmm. and often about kind of fighting a monster of the week. So the most familiar example to... White people to us will be Power Rangers. Power Rangers. Zoids? I think we're their mechs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So essentially, there's these guys running around in weird costumes, and then they yell out, and then a giant robot appears, and they jump in it. And it's magical as well. Yeah. And then they go, combine, and they magically combine. They say combine? I can't remember what they say. Oh, okay. But the basic idea with kind of is that it's not just science fiction. It's kind of half fantasy, half science fiction. Mm -hmm. Yep. But Gundam is not that. Gundam is a little bit more hard sci-fi, and it's what the Japanese genre is called real robot. Yep. So that's where we start getting kind of the ideas of mechs that are probably more firmly into the popular culture now. Mm. It's a guy in the future yep. inside a robot yep. that he controls using just re- regular science, and he's... Pushing buttons and pushing pulling buttons. levers. Yeah. No yelling stuff. No. But no, he goes no magic. and he shoots people. Okay. Or uses a giant sword. So that's kind of what we're like familiar with. I think Voltron had a sword. Yeah. Well, I don't really know why mechs need swords, but they are cool. It's to fight kaiju. Okay. Yeah. So Super Robot, you know, they found a way into our lives via children's shows and all that. Mm-hmm. There are some kind of pseudo mechs which we might be aware of. We mentioned the ATT in Star Wars. Yep. There's that epic power suit fight in Aliens. 
where it's like a yes. power looter. It's a, a cargo looter. Yeah. I found out, yeah. So Ripley gets in it like they showed at the start where you're moving boxes. And at the end, she uses it to get the the queen alien out of the airlock. Something like that. Yeah. It's but been a while. We didn't really see like what we know as mechs now in popular culture in you know big TV shows or, or in big films mm. for quite a while. It really stayed in the science fiction ghetto. Yep. So in manga, in anime, in novels. In comics as well? Yeah, I don't think I've read a comic with... Oh. I, I probably have with a Mac in it. Because Iron Man isn't classed like the Iron Man that we know from um, the Avengers. Mm -hmm. It's not classed as a Mac because it's armor. I guess so. Hmm. But... <laughs> yeah. If we, if we move back to tabletop, yep. while mechs weren't in our kind of mainstream consciousness, yep. there was something happen... On tabletops, mm. which was Battletech. Battletech, yep. And you you might RPG? kind of... Heard, well, it started as a uh, kind of a tactical skirmish game. Okay. So it launched in 84, um, American-based company. It actually started off as Battle Droids. Yep. But it had to change to Battletech because um, George Lucas owns words. Owns. <laughs> um, owns one of those droids. words is droids. Yep. F we're saying droids now. George Lucas is probably going to burst in in a second yep. and just start beating us. I just got an email from him. Yeah. Yep. He's le legally allowed. We have to go to court. Yeah. Yep. And I believe he owns your wife now. He does. That, that's and my his, cat. That's his right. Mm. But yeah, so it started off as kind of tactical skirmish miniature mm. game. Yep. Um, and a lot of the early versions, they were actually tied into Japanese anime and manga. Mm -hmm. And it actually used a lot of the same art. Same art? Yeah, so actually the same art from the series. Oh. It, they weren't saying this is the series, but we're using the same art. Mm. And they actually got into kind of troubles later on where they had a few legal difficulties and they had to kind of reset their art. Oh, okay. Um, so they have a thing where they have real mechs yeah. that are kind of in canon, but they also have unseen mechs. Right. And those unseen mechs used to be attached to licensed art that they've kind of retconned out of continuity. Oh, But wow. you can still kind of use to fight sometimes. Okay. But anyway, so Battletech miniatures, mm -hmm. but it quickly spread out and multiplied, and it's got all these different kind of parallel and supplementary systems. Yep. There's City Tech, Battle Space, Battle Troop, and the name that you're probably most familiar with is Mech Warrior. Yeah. Does that ring a bell? It does. I think was if it was a role playing game, I think I played it. Yeah. So it's a role playing system. Yep. And this puts a focus on the pilots rather than the robots. Right. So once again, like kind of Gundam and all the other series, it's not about the robots actually fighting monsters the whole time it's about the guys and the robots and their kind of interpersonal relationship and also fighting monsters oh, okay so the interpersonal relationships was part of the game i haven't actually played the game okay but it's role-playing wow so role-playing right. you have to play roles you have to <laughs> interact with one it's another interesting, yeah. um so it started off as so battletech yep miniatures skirmish skirmish stuff hmm. mech warrior rpg and that eventually made its way into computer and PC games. Mm. So they licensed that. And I had Mech Warrior 3050 on the SNES. 3050. Yeah, so it's set in 3050. Yeah. Um, there was like a whole range of the series. Um, there's actually one being rebooted at the moment called Mech Warrior Tactics. Right. Um, I believe it's an open beta, and that's kind of going back to the board game tabletop. I thought you were a Sega person. Yes, yeah, NES. No, 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 <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Nintendo. Good. Are you a Sega person? No. Okay. No. Cool. Nintendo. My wife's Sega, though. Oh, awkward. Yeah. Well, that is a bit awkward. 
Yeah, I do remember Mech Warrior. I never played it on the SNES, though. I, I there is a brand new game out now, Titanfall, for Xbox One, that I would love to play, but mm. I don't have an Xbox One. Yeah, um, Titanfall is hot. Yeah. Hot, sexy. Hot, yeah. sexy robots. Yeah, it looks cool. It looks really, really cool. I, I, I do want to. I'd almost consider buying an Xbox One just to get that one game. Mm. But so. If we if we look kind of back to BattleTech and MechWarrior now, there are mm. some of those concepts that started off there, started in tabletop games that have filtered through to what we kind of think about mechs now. So one of the key things is that you can kind of customize your own guy. You you make your mech, make so you can mech. choose yep. what weapons, what mm-hmm. kind of combat systems yep. you get, and we will see that in both the games that we played today. Yep. Um, and there's also the concept of overheating. So you have to. It's not just about going and trying to fight. You have to actually do a little bit of management of your own systems yep. to ensure that you don't blow up. That seems to be a common theme. Yeah, the it, overheating it, of a Mac. It, it's it's one of the things that um, I guess like Kaiju, where you have some sort of interaction with nuclear disaster. It's one of the things that are kind of carried throughout the genre. Well, they all have to have their disadvantages or their kryptonite, so to speak. Yeah. So I guess that's it, it's it's it's. With storytelling, you know, it's, it's not yeah. fun if something's invincible. That's right. We'll go into other examples of mecha and tabletop later on, mm. but I just want to kind of go through that evolution of the idea of mechs, yep. which for, you know, us Western white people mm. is kind of a combination of those two sources. There's Battletech, which evolved into Mech Warrior, and there's Japan's manga and anime. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of other things as well, yep. but at least for as far as we're concerned, we're just going to talk about that. Okay. And we finally saw a kind of a culmination of this kind of hitting the mainstream Big movie last year's Pacific Rim. Was that last year? Was it not? It was, I don't know. It must have been. I rewatched it recently when we uh, discussed the pod, mm-hmm. and um, I, I liked it just as much as I liked it the first time. Yeah, well, it's really like it is the ultimate kaiju versus mech movie. Yep. Um, the 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 real kind of terrible thing about it is that it's got an Australian character played by a British guy yep. and he has a British bulldog. Has a British bulldog. Doesn't yep. make sense. Doesn't um, make sense. Striker Eureka. I think it's his name. Mm-hmm. The mech, not the dog. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you could have got Australians to play an Australian. And he should have had like a cattle dog or something. Cattle dog, yeah. yeah. Red healer, blue healer. Or even a staffy. Yeah, they, 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 they might be a bit confused with English, yeah. Australian... Yeah. Which is what, but I, I I really liked Pacific Rim, but growing up not actually seeing Neon Genesis or any of those, I was like, wow, that, that's a really cool idea where you get two people that operate a mech and they have to like mind meld. Mm-hmm. And I've been told later on that's kind of a rip from Neon Genesis or something. Well, kind of. Yep. The, the, we talked about before Super Robot and Real Robot. Yeah. So Real Robot, hard sci-fi, Super Robot, semi-mystical stuff. Yeah. And Neon Genesis kind of gets those two and really smashes them together. Yep. So you have like future, um, it's kind of kind of post-apocalyptic. These giant monsters have come and started wrecking things and a lot of people are living underground mm. and you have these giant robots. Mm. Um, but the, there's uh, also like a, a organic side to them. Mm. Um, I'm having trouble remembering the details right now. But there's lots of kind of religious imagery yes. and all this weird stuff. And like we talked about Attack on Titan last time, yep. there is also a whiny, mopey male protagonist, <laughs> Shinji. Shinji. Yeah. Um, but Neon Genesis 
is one of those kind of landmark series. Yeah. I don't think you would have had Pacific Rim without Neon Genesis. No, no way. No way. I, I did look at maybe going back and watching Neon Genesis, but it goes back so far and there's so many series and then there's movies and the, offshoots. The movies are actually condensed versions of the series. So you can go uh, and watch the movies. So they've taken the series and chopped it up into a movie? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, I think it can be quite confusing though. Yeah. And I I don't like to read subtitles. It'll have to be dubbed. Ooh. <laughs> You're going to get some hate mail over uh, Yeah, people, uh, people don't like dubbed. But I find it way easier to follow along. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the cool thing about Pacific Rim is that it did kind of take some of those ideas from Neon Genesis mm. uh, and take took them back to hard sci-fi. Yeah, I like that about it. And they they are making Pacific Rim 2, I've heard. Awesome. Which would be good. I never actually... I never I never loved the look of the robots or the mechs in Pacific Rim. I thought they could have been a bit better. I like the, the kaiju there. I like the story and the fact that the dinosaurs were almost like the, the first kaiju to come through that crazy hole in the ocean. I like that idea. I liked it. What didn't you like about the mechs? I just thought they looked a bit... I don't know. Generic? Yeah. I don't know. It's like they try to make them look differently, but you almost had... One of them had like a popped collar, almost. And, you know, they get out of them at one stage. And I don't know. It's I was like, oh, yeah, this is still cool. But... Oh, that's me getting a message. Do you like Kaiju better or do you like Mech better? I think I enjoy I, I I enjoy the idea of mech better because the thing with kaiju is it's hard to kind of really get into like the head that you know I am a massive giant lizard. Mm. It, it's like it makes like a fun little game. Yep. But I think if you want something kind of longer term, you want to go mech. Wanna go you want to invest in something. You want mech. There's so many kaiju movies. Well, there's so many Godzilla movies. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, the only other real like I try to find movies. I had Mac in it to watch, and the only other one I found was called um, Robot Jocks. Oh, did See, you watch that? I haven't watched it. Oh. I know I was. I kept trying to put time aside to watch it, never got to. I think it's made in '85 or '89, and it's J O X Robot Jocks, and I think they it's like post-apocalyptic. They get in these robots and they fight, kind of for entertainment. Mm. It's supposed to be really terrible, and I really want to see it. Yeah, I, I have it. I just haven't watched it. We should watch it. I, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. Definitely. What about you? Kaiju, Max? Um, that's a hard one. Are we talking... Are we talking With standard the- kaiju? Or are we talking like kaiju as in like werewolves as well? No, standard kaiju. Standard kaiju. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to go mech, but I, there's nothing I enjoy more than kaiju versus mech. When they come together, that's when... It's good. And um, just hanging around on the internet in design forest and stuff, like I have heard like a few people kind of talking about ideas of uh, like mech first kaiju RPGs and stuff. There may even be like a small indie RPG. Really? I'll have to have a look into it. Indie RPG for kaiju. So kaiju versus mechs. Kaiju versus mechs. I I think we're going to see within the next couple of years, there will be a mech versus kaiju board game. Board game. I'm surprised there's not one already. Yeah. It'll be there. There just has to be one. Because you could play Kaiju one turn, then when that game ends, just swap, and then mm. you're the mech. Mm. Or maybe some sort of cooperative thing. 
Well, what do you actually like about mechs? A mech and a kaiju cooperating. No, no, no. Like, cool. uh, I thought you were like crossing the streams then. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Like uh, Arkham Horror. So there's, uh, you're, you're all like, you control a mech and you're trying to fight the kaiju kind of keep them out of the city or something. Oh, yeah. That's so a uh, one versus many or like everyone uh, mechs fighting kaiju. Mm. That sounds good. You should do it. Okay, I will. <laughs> Once I do all the other things that I'm doing. So what what do you actually like about mech? I, I try to think try to think about this before. Like what is it about mech that I like? And all I like I like mechs when they're huge, not just like um two story or six meters tall. I like them when they're like Pacific Rim tall. Like we're talking twenty stories tall. I like when they fight. I like. I don't. I don't really know. I just like when they, when they fight kaiju. Mm. It's such a hard question. I. I just. I just don't know. Well, for for me, like what what like draws me to it is that kind of weird, strange, symbiotic relationship you have between man and machine, and that's something you get a little bit in Pacific Rim, but it's more in Neon Genesis. Yeah, I think it was in Pacific Rim a lot for that storyline because mm-hmm. he needed another pilot. A girl came in. Mm-hmm. Love, yeah, love came into it. Well, what I liked about Pacific Rim is that it wasn't like there wasn't like a hard romance plot. It was a little bit. No, yeah. Do they even do they make out at the end? I don't think they do. I think they just hug. Uh, I think so. Yeah, because so, they they pop up in their skate pod spoilers. Um, in their escape pods, and she thinks he's dead, and, run, and like swims over to his pod, and like. Um, rips his, the hatch open and and then the helicopters fly over or something and that's it. Yeah, it's cheesy as hell. Yeah. But it, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Guillermo del Toro. Mm-hmm. Excellent director. Excellent director. Yeah, I don't know what I like about mechs. I just like really, really big robots. Love it. Okay. So what we what you want to see in a mech game is mech versus kaiju and we don't have that right now. I would play... I would play console, PC, role-playing, card game, anything that was mech versus kaiju. I just want to get in there and kill some lizards. Okay, internet, please make it happen. But if but if it was my turn to be the lizard versus a mech, I, would, I wouldn't like that as much. Okay. I, I wouldn't know what to do. Run. I don't what know. fight? Godzilla has like a, like a blue flame. Atomic breath? Yeah, I'd hopefully have that. I just, I don't know. Just destroy as many buildings as I could, probably. Well, how about we get into the games and then we'll go how mech they are afterwards. <laughs> yes. So we're going to start with Hawken. 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 Now, I bought Hawken, not knowing that it's... I bought Hawken, Sharpshooter versus Bruiser. So it's a two-player game. So one's Sharpshooter and one's Bruiser. And what I didn't know, that this was actually the second one. I don't have the name of the first one, but it's 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 exactly the same. So you're playing two mechs, and it is a real-time card game, which I've never played before. There, there, there's not too many real-time games. No. Um, there's a few real-time dice games. This may be the first real-time card game that I've heard of. Yeah, so what, what real-time card game is, is you both are flipping cards at the same time. So you're actually going at the very same time. So you get a deck, the other person gets a deck. In the middle, there's a token that's got fire written on it. So you start with, um, you put your mech down on there. There's a, a, a heat meter, so you're down on zero. And 
you have cards and you say go and then each person will flip over a real-time card and you'll keep going until one person decides yep i've got enough and they'll reach out and grab that fire button or what you did you yelled it yeah i, I kept messing up the whole time <laughs> he's like you have to grab the button i'm like fire fire let's fight now fire yep so so what you have to do is as you as you kind of peel these cards off the deck, you put them into their category. So you'll have short range weapons, long range weapons, armor, and sort of like other stuff that you can use. Now if you flip a card and you kind of decide, oh, I already got like six of these, or I don't need another walk, you can. Or flip you're worried it. about overheating. Overheating, you can flip it down, and that's classes cover. So that's what takes your first damage. Okay, so. Once that happens, you make sure all your cards are in, in, in the right categories. If if they're not, it has to be sent away. So it's like maybe something's tried to load up on your mech and it, and it hasn't done it properly. Mm-hmm. So then you do your heat check. No, first, sorry, first you decide who goes first. So whoever has the most walk cards, which I think was you a lot. Mm-hmm. So you've get, you get these kind of green walk cards and you're like, okay, I'm coming to you as a mech and then you can move the little um aiming token up or down so you've got short range medium long range so you can look at your weapons see where you want to put it then you assess your heat so each of the cards has a little flame icon on it and you count them up and you move your little mech along and then you do take damage for heat straight away and the damage comes from your deck now how you win the game or so how you had you lose the game would be to go through your deck three times so the more hit you get, you might have to take off five cards damage. So that's quite a big hit. And then that person goes with their with their weapons, and there's a number assigned to each weapon. And you say, okay, I'll shoot you for 12. And you go, okay, I don't have any armor. You take 12 cards off your deck, and then it's the other person's turn. Did, did you like it? Um, I liked it. Mm. What I enjoyed about it is that it was different. Yeah. and that it was real-time, and you do have what happens when you have real-time and suddenly things happening is that you fuck up. <laughs> you make mistakes, and that's slightly hilarious Yeah, because like you go, okay, I've got you, and then you realize that you've got like 12 heat, and you're completely kind of exploding, so you have to kind of get rid of stuff. Yeah, it's that sense of panic as well. Yeah. For me, anyway, I'm trying to, because you can look at the other person and see what they're doing. You're like, mm-hmm. uh-oh. They've got tons of weapons. But you never have time. No. And you, you look and you're peeling cards. As long as you've got three cards, you have to have at least three cards before you grab the fire token. So if you're quick at getting them out, you just have to watch so you don't overheat. And that's where I made a mistake the first couple of times I played it. I was just clocking up all these long-range weapons, which are like five heat or three heat. And then at the end, once you go all the way to the end of your heat marker, you'd not only take off five damage... Mm-hmm. You also take off a primary and a secondary weapon, so you have a lot of damage. Some of your weapons don't work. Mm. Um, so the the way you actually get to end game is that you have to cycle through your deck three times. Yep. So you're taking cards as damage. So the more damage you take, the faster you go through the deck. The closer, the more you die. Yep. So you've got three. There's three blue tokens and three red tokens. So once you go through your deck, you push one of the tokens forward. You reshuffle your deck. Off you go again. Yeah, red tokens, blue tokens mean red player, blue player. Yeah, I um, it didn't take me long to learn how to play it. Uh, there's the, I was trying to look on the internet for maybe a video of it or some 
to clarify some cards, but most of it is relating to the Hawken PC game. Yeah, so um, we should mention Hawken is based on an indie PC game. Um, it's obviously a mech game, and it's released kind of as a card version of that game. Yep. And it kind of tries to mimic a lot of the things, so that's why it's real-time, because, you know, when you're playing the game, you're playing it real-time, and it's about making those few seconds matter. When you're playing Hawken as opposed to playing something like Counter-Strike, it's not about getting the headshot. Yep. It's about shooting, 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 strafing, shooting, shooting, strafing, and then you're dead. Yep. So you have a few seconds at least. Mm. I I actually thought I'd get bored of it mm-hmm. quite quickly because you can only be sh- sharpshooter or bruiser. Mm-hmm. So I played with my wife for a bit, and then my brother-in-law was over, and we played, we played quite a bit, and then you came over the other week, and then we played it for even longer. And... I still don't think that I am bored of it. Like I, I can continue to play it. The only thing is maybe some of the downside is there's not much difference between sharpshooter and bruiser that I can tell. They both have short range, long range weapons. The only difference is these cards that do special abilities like an EMP shock might send out a shock and knock out some of your systems. Um, something might give you extra cards or extra damage. That's really the only difference. Yeah, in the max. So I guess one of the biggest kind of distractions of it is that it is a real-time game. So as opposed to a card game when you're kind of thinking and putting out cards by cards yep. and those cards really matter, yeah. all, the most important thing here is the kind of flipping cards and getting the fire. What the cards are, they matter a little bit, but not a great, no. not a great amount. So you don't feel like, oh, I am sharpshooter, but I'm like a very like specific sniper base mech and you are more of a kind of medium bulky mech that can take more damage and do more hits yeah i mean i was i was disappointed there's no miniatures but you don't really need them because there are cardboard cutouts of the mechs on a stand and you're only really using them to go up and down the heat counter so if the next round comes along and your heat is a lot less you can only go down one you don't go down like six heat at a time you only go down one which i found was a good mechanic because if you've if you've heat up quite a bit in your first round, next round is four and you only lose maybe three cards. Then you go down. I like that overheating um, element to it a lot. And as we talked before about that sort of like the Mac Kryptonite overheating, and that's been my downfall for this game quite a bit. Um, I would get the other one because you can customize your Macs. I haven't looked into it a whole lot. Yeah, you, you can deck build and, and there's certain parameters so you get to build what you want your mech to be. Um, so the, I think they've released two. There might be more coming on this way. I'm not entirely yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I know. This this is the second one I don't know of anymore. And it's, it, it wasn't too expensive? I think it was twenty four ninety five delivered. Okay. Which was pretty good. Yeah. For a card game, I mean, as long as you like mechs and fighting each other. I reckon, it, I reckon it's great to have in your collection. And it's quite small. It's maybe, I don't know, 10, centim- 10 centimeters by four or something. You can easily take it's, it It's around. not that small. <laughs> Where's the ruler? We will find out how no, Mitch measures things. It's 19 centimeters by 10. No, it's not that small at all. But it can definitely fit in a satchel or whatever. It can't yeah. fit in your pocket? No. But you could probably separate it out into components. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've got. Uh, you've seen my Netrunner box, right? Mm. It's just this big thing. I've also now just separated into a couple of smaller decks, which are very small. Yep. Yep. 
that you could fit into your pocket if you had really large pockets, but it's much easier to chuck in a bag to go play. Well, Hawken, I would, yeah, I'd definitely recommend it. I give it a, I would give it a quite a high rate. I mean, the art in it is just, is quite good. All the weapon art is awesome. The cover has got a guy standing on a mech. It looks pretty badass. I'd, I'd definitely buy the next pack and try and try and build my own mech for it. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in things that are, are different, and I think it really it does what it's set out to do, and that's like make you feel that you're in like a sudden mech fight and that you're just trying to work your stuff out and just kill the guy before you die. Yep. Like you really feel that urgency. I'd like to play more real-time card games because I think especially with mech, it's quite important because you wouldn't have a go, you wouldn't attack, and then the other person would defend, and then they attack, then you'd defend. You'd be going at the same time, and you don't know what the other person's doing. I think it brings more realism to it, maybe. Mm -hmm. There's a pretty popular real-time dice game Mm. um, called Escape from the Temple, Escape Curse of the Temple, that's kind of Indiana Jones-themed. Yeah. We might... Play that one time. That sounds good. Yeah. Is it like zombie dice? Um, it's a cooperative game. Mm. So you're trying to like get things from the temple, but you're doing it all real time. So you just have to keep on re-rolling your dice till you get the thing that you need. And you can get like trapped in rooms and stuff. Oh, that's cool. But so Hawken is, we enjoyed it. Yep. Um, the next game. Next game. Um, we talked about this a, a few podcasts ago, and maybe yeah, we, maybe the first one. Yeah, it, well, it was in the first one, and I think we've mentioned it a little bit since, and mm-hmm. that's uh, Mobile Frame Zero. Rapid Attack. Uh, I think Rapid Attack is the spaceship spaceships one. one, right? So Mobile Frame Zero is Lego Mechs. Yep. Um, it's the system which you can build your own mech. You can buy the PDF online. You can also download it for free. Decide whether you want to give the guy any money. Yep. Completely up to you. No pressure. I didn't. Okay. I didn't either. <laughs> One of us will probably go and give him some money now. Yeah, you probably We'll send should, him some flowers. You should give him some money. Well, we should probably do the review first, though. Yeah. Well, you. the very first time you told me about this, I was super excited. Mm-hmm. Max, out of Lego, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And I went out and bought Lego mm-hmm. before I read the rules. Mm-hmm. So, and then my birthday rolled around, I got tons more Lego, I've, I've spent hours building Lego mechs, trying to find that little fiddly piece that you need, and you don't have it in mm. a box of like 500 pieces. So the thing is, yeah, you, they do give you actual instructions for building mechs, and the one instructions you give, they require a few specialist parts, which you can definitely find if you want to try and find out those stuff. I, There's also a few like sets which you can buy, like the Mixel set. Yes, which is, I did that which is kind of giving you a few parts, which will give you a few more articulations. What I did is I just used whatever I had. So you'll see the photos. Mitch's mechs look a lot better than mine. <laughs> mine are just like weird little things. <laughs> I um, I did follow two of the instructions and the, and the bits that I didn't have, mm-hmm. I just used other bits. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'd have to use three or four bits just to get one sort of elbow joint or turn joint or something facing the right way which was part of the fun and i hadn't built lego since i was a kid yeah there's some really interesting things happening with kind of lego design and all the cool things you can do whereas i kind of just put bricks together i'm like it kind of looks like a theme i saw a lego shop in brisbane which i'd totally forgotten about in south bank it's a lego shop yep oh i didn't know that was a thing it's um i think it's the entertainment center Uh yeah it's on that street further towards 
um, West End. Because after work, we had a function. I went there. We got out of the taxi. I looked across the street. There's a Lego store. And I wanted to go over to it and not go to the function. <laughs> well, there was a, a lot of kind of Lego things at the Toy and Game Expo as well. There was a few kind of resellers. So they had one guy that was just selling Star Wars stuff, another guy that was selling minifigures. Resellers? So they bought it, made it, yeah, taken so, it apart, and just going to sell it on. Yeah. The, well, them and people selling sets as well. Oh. Um, well so let, let's go into the actual game itself. Yep. Um, so I'm going to briefly cover how the game works. Okay. We had a bit of a trouble with the rules. It's a couple hundred page document. And it's just not terribly intuitive how I've to actually had get there. Nothing but trouble with these rules. We eventually got to play the game, but in terms of like getting there and like working it out with, with iPads and going through things and trying to search through the rules, etc., etc., we had to download like a third-party reference system, a third-party reference cards on side to kind of do our mechs. The basic way it works is that you have mechs, you build them yourself. And you give them systems. The systems can be a number of different things. You start off with some rockets. You get to give a few of your guys some rockets. You There's also like a hand-to-hand -hand system, so you can give a guy a sword. There's an artillery range system, so that's shooting far away. And a flamethrower. Uh, there's a flamethrower. There's a uh, direct fire system, so that's kind of a medium range. Shields. Defense. Yep. Um, there's a spotting communication system. Mm -hmm. Well, defense obviously lets you defend. Spotting communication lets you scope out things. Yep. So you can say, oh, I can see where that guy is. Um, and you relay that to your friends. So next time they shoot, they get a bonus to the shoot. Yep. And there's also movement systems, which let you jump over things and move the farther. Um, so the thing with that is that you kind of need dice for all the systems. A lot of D6. We got into a little bit of trouble when we started playing when we didn't actually... We had, like, one set of dice, and we're like, okay, this is all the dice we need. We've got, like, you know, six red die, yep. a couple of blue, a couple of green, a couple of white. You know, that's enough for all the system. But we kind of realized, oh, you need kind of one for each mech, yeah. one for each system, yep. not just to be shared between you. No. So you, you need a lot of dice, mm -hmm. and you also need a lot of patience to kind of work your th way through the rules. The way normal miniatures games work is that you kind of have like a point system. Mm -hmm. So every everything that you buy in a little pack has a point system. A, a thing. So this this unit costs 9 points, this unit costs 15 points, this tank costs 20 points. So depending on what weapons and stuff it holds. Mm -hmm. yeah. So each thing is balanced to points and yep. you build up a unit or an army based on points. Yep. Whereas this one, there's you build up an army to a few parameters. Yep. And then what happens is that you get to choose kind of, do I go for a big army and that has to give me less points yep. and less systems? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's additional capture the flag stuff. Um, so we eventually worked all that out. Um, and then we went through our game. Yep. It's um, supposed to be a game over 11 rounds. And how far did we make it? 10? 9? Um, I think... I think we got Seven. to, or we, we counted down, by the way. Yeah. So we maybe got to nine or eight. So it's a, it's a doomsday clock. Mm -hmm. a you doomsday. start at 12, and after a full round, it goes down one. But we had to stop quite a bit to reread the rules mm -hmm. and try and figure it out. So we were taking a, a long, long time to do it. Mm -hmm. when, I, when I downloaded it, the, the PDF, I, I think I read through the whole entire thing. 
And oh, I, I definitely skimmed through the. I still plot didn't stuff. understand it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't work out where to roll, what to do, what to assign, what's this, because there's a lot to it. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that there's a, a lot to it, and a lot to understand, and there was nothing on YouTube that I could find that people were playing it, kind of showing you no tutorials, and there's nothing else that I could really find like threads or anything to step me through basically how to play it. Yeah. There's no quick get up and play that no. you do have to kind of work it out yourselves. And yeah, the, the way the rule book set out, it doesn't let you do that. There is a demo game in the rule book mm-hmm. where I think it's three on three or three, three mm-hmm. units players and they're captured the flag and they'll step through it that way. Mm hmm. That was still confusing to me. Yeah. Well, one of the things that happens through it is that as you go through, you attack a guy, and whenever you attack him, he gets his turn. Yep. And so, but then on his turn, he attacks another guy. And But we kind of just worked it out is that we kind of just like went in a weird chain, and when people stopped doing stuff, it was someone else's turn. We just turned the Doomsday Clock down one. Yeah. Um, I had bought... Uh, a 200-piece farm set for my nephews when they visited last year. So we used that as terrain, and I, I thought it was quite fun. Mm-hmm. We put a big cow and some farms and some, you'll see in the pictures, and uh, we had all our dice, and you printed out the uh, the character sheet things. Mm-hmm. Which I found on the Mobile Frames uh, forum. That was quite, that, that, that was very helpful. And we kind of bumbled our way through it, and I think we got, more closer to how you play it towards the end, mm-hmm. and then we stopped. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would play it again um, if I knew the rules a bit more. Okay. Um, with the things that I already have to play, I would not play it again. You wouldn't play it again? No. No. If I had to choose to kind of go through this again and try and learn the rules better, I would prefer to play X-Wing Miniatures, which I have, yep. and it would just far more intuitive, or I would prefer to play one of the other miniature systems that I'd be interested in. Yep. So this is not played on a grid. This is just on a board. You've got a ruler mm-hmm. and sort of hails back to Warhammer 40,000 sort of armies moving forward using a ruler. It, it is it is deep nerd. It is miniatures. So for a long time, board games have been kind of, board games have been more family friendly and more accessible and more approachable. Mm. Yep. And miniatures have kind of stayed in its weird ghetto. Um, okay. Along with magic somewhere in the corner at the bottom of game stores. Yeah. But they are getting more approachable now. X-Wing Miniatures, which I just mentioned, is one example where it's a lot more intuitive to play. Mm. Um, they don't have quite as many rules, quite as many exceptions. You don't actually use like a literal ruler. They have these cool looking yeah. little measurement things which you have. Yep. So they are in, awesome. Yeah. In, ter- yeah. in terms of playing... Playing a miniature system, if I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend a couple hours sitting down and I want to play a game, yep. and we got through three rounds of that game in a couple hours, I could get full through full game of X-Wing and yep. have a much fun time. Yeah, I I like the idea of Mobile Frame Zero. I, as, like, as, as I said, I bought the Lego. I've spent hours creating my mechs. We've set out... I brought the table into my office. I set up all the terrain. It looked great. But gameplay, just... I just didn't think it was mm-hmm. easily to understand or so, comprehend. And we've been kind of been pitching, I guess, going through, trying to take you through the very beginning 
And this is not a good example of where you should start if you want to do... Don't start here. Um, we kind of thought when we started, like, okay, the thing with miniatures is it can be expensive. Yep. You want to get a Warhammer army, it can cost you a couple hundred dollars. Yep. And then, the, you know, that plastic, you have to get someone to paint them if you want them the to paint, look cool. All the brushes. Whereas with this, like, like, we had Lego, we can build stuff. Yep. And it would be actually, it's actually kind of fun putting those together. Um, the other thing about it is that one of the key things with miniatures, which you may or may not like, mm. is that you have each unit is very specific and they have, you know, these cool texts and cool effects that can kind of, you can use to co- combine together and optimize your armies. And that's one of the things I like about it, you know, trying to work out, okay, I have 50 points. I want to create like a cool little skirmish guerrilla fighting unit. Yeah. How do I do that? Whereas with this, you still get that, but there's less customization because it's just adding and taking away systems. There's yep. still a lot you can do, but it feels a little less. Yeah. I I was so keen to use one of my mechs and you blew his legs off in the first round and you just sat there for the rest of the, the whole mm-hmm. game just waiting to die. Mm-hmm. The, the the way you set up the game is that you get to choose a certain amount of mechs, three to five, yep. and a certain amount of systems. So what I did is that I chose five mechs, yep. and I didn't fully quit, like fully go full system, but I used a fair amount of my systems, and that point put me at a point advantage. When you start off, there's a complicated system where you have points, and instead of winning by killing everyone, you win by um, taking assets and destroying their mechs, and that takes away points from them and gives it to you. Yeah, that system was complicated and Mm -hmm. I was trying to follow with what you're doing and I just got lost every time. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't do it. So, yeah, and the way it worked out is that I had all these cool guys and I had lots of stuff on them and I had lots of guys and I just kind of blew through Mitch's (laughs) guys. And there wasn't... No, you still had your shield guy at the end. Well, I built that guy with a massive shield. I'm like, this guy's got a huge shield. It's as big as him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna assign a lot of um, like defensive dice to him, and he's not gonna be able to get killed. But that's not how it worked at all. Can you have a maximum of was it two d six or something? Yeah, the, the way it works is that um, we're kind of getting back into it now. But essentially, you roll, you pick up all your dice, and you roll them at the start, and then you assign the best ones to each action. Yep. So you you get might get to roll two blue, blue die, but you only get to assign the best one, and that's your defense. Yeah. You might roll three red die but you only get to assign the best one and that's your attack yeah so if, if if you don't count the fact that i bought lego this game was free yeah and we just printed out we just looked at the rules and we printed printed stuff out made our own lego and i had the stuff here but i think it took its toll on me in trying to understand the rules for i would say weeks like go to bed lie in bed trying to read these rules trying to understand it I, did, I still couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't... It just it, 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 it has the potential to be so good, though, mm-hmm. I think. If they can maybe make it a simpler version or maybe tweak it a bit. Well, yeah, I guess from a design perspective, one of the key things of the system is that it's really easy to work out damage because what happens is that um, you take damage as systems... And because it's Lego, you literally take off the system. Yeah, I took my legs off. Yeah, like, effort. I'm like, okay, I shot you, I did damage, and then Mitch's going like, um, okay, I have to work out what I'm going to take off my movement system, so you literally take off your legs. Yeah, I did like that. That was cool. And I ended up taking off 
one of his mm -hmm. radars. Another guy took off the shield. So at the end of the game, I had to put them all back together because I kind of wanted to keep them. And the way that works from a design perspective is that you have the thing that's like when you get behind, you keep on getting behind. Yeah. Because once someone takes off your legs, there's less you can do. Once someone shoots off your things, there's less you can do. So that's why it's a little bit more the complicated point system where it kind of balances that out to a degree. But it is like more fiddly stuff. Yeah. Because essentially what would happen is that if it was just like a mech versus mech, as soon as one player starts losing, you can just keep on shooting and shooting and then it'll eventually be over. Yeah. Well, we played... It was like capture the flag, wasn't it? Yeah. So we had three flags and I had... And that's not a game option. That's the game. That is the game? Yeah. Okay. Um, I had two of your flags. Mm -hmm. But what I, I, I didn't realize was if, if you got back to one of your flags, mm -hmm. it becomes your flag again. Mm -hmm. So I had two of your flags. You hadn't recaptured any of And I had only had a short little run of maybe, I don't know, 25 centimeters mm -hmm. till I had the third one. And we called it quits. So are we going to say that I won or that you won? Um, well, I'm going to say that I would have <laughs> killed you because <laughs> you only have one dude left. I reckon I would have run quite fast. Mm -hmm. And But then we had uh, nine more rounds to go yeah. where we would have just been you running around and me eventually it taking four of the flags. Yeah, it wouldn't hopefully. have lasted that yeah. long. So all in all, didn't weren't that keen on it? No. Um, when I'm not going to recommend it. Okay. I'm going to recommend you tune back in in a couple episodes' time. We think we might do something on Star Wars, in which case we'll tackle X-Wing then. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to the Star Wars pod. It's my specialty. So that's it. That's wrap it up for this. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll wrap it up. We've already talked about a little bit of Kickstarter stuff with Fragged Empire at the start. Yes. That's on now for another 20 days. If you like RPGs, check out Fragged Empire. Yep. Australian design, mm -hmm. Melbourne-based. Definitely... Support Australian developers. Mm -hmm. um, with me, I'm still developing Hedron, but I'm almost done now. Mm -hmm. So if you pay attention to the Endgame Games Facebook, Twitter, website, you'll hear something very, very soon. Yep. Um, I I am getting a book back soon mm -hmm. for this final edit, and it might be out by the end of the year. I'm also doing a signing at Supernova in Brisbane in November. Okay. So come on by then, say hi. And now we've kind of finished our holidays, the next episode should be a little bit quicker. Yep. Um, and we'll maybe talk a little bit about Japan and Taiwan, and we might talk a little bit about what Mitch is spending his time and money on at the moment. <laughs> it's magic. It is magic, yeah. Well, I went to Tasmania, mm -hmm. and there's a, quite a big magic following, I guess, down there, and that's why I got into it. Mm. So magic is one of those kind of big things. Yep. Those big things in tabletop and magic is what actually, you know, has kept a lot of board game stores alive, a lot of comic shops alive. Well, I, I initially blamed you for it because I, <laughs> I thought one of us should get into the number one mm -hmm. tabletop and game and I think I've been playing it for a month mm -hmm. and I've got about 350 cards. Mm -hmm. I've been to one tournament. I'm going to another one next Friday. We'll get into that a little bit next time. We'll get into it, yeah. Giving you a little bit of a beginner's perspective of magic. Yeah, a bit uh, of taste. Yeah. Um, we're not, we, we don't recommend you go out and start injecting cards. No, see it's, if you like it first. You can borrow someone else's deck and play and see if you like it. Just like you'd see if you like heroin, just just be careful. Don't don't touch heroin. Okay. Touch magic.
because they were giving magic to low socioeconomic kids in America who lived in like a bit of poverty. They were introducing the magic and it kept them off the streets. Is that true? That is true. Magic. Saving kids. Saving kids. Better than education. Yep. All right. Roll high or go home. See you next time. Pop, pop.